Well, good morning. It's great to be with you this morning. Uh, it feels like I've been gone for quite some time. I, I really haven't gone anywhere. I'm grateful for Ryan and his preaching a number of weeks ago in my stead as we, uh, we as in our, my family, moved. And uh, I want to talk a little bit about that in a moment, but let me just start off with a word of prayer this morning. Good Father, we come before you this morning and ask that uh, you would speak to us through your word we are grateful for the, the psalmists who have uh, shared their thoughts and their prayers and their songs towards you that we too can share in and learn from and uh, gain wisdom from as we try to learn to express ourselves uh, to you and to listen in the ways we need to listen uh, to your word and to your voice. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, as I did just mention, and many of you know, many of you maybe perhaps do not know, but my family uh, recently moved, as in two and a half weeks ago recently. And so uh, if any of you have ever moved, which if any of you haven't moved, I'd like to hear why that's never happened and how you've managed to stay in one place. But if you have any experience moving, you will completely understand and know the chaos that can occur around a move. I mean, if you have kids, it just heightens it that much more, but you have a ton of things to pack and to move. And of course, in your packing and moving, there is just an enormous amount of items, depending on how long you've stayed in your current place, uh, that have collected over time. And so this house we were currently in, uh, we had been in for eight years. It was our longest standing residence as a couple and as a family. And so we had accumulated with three children a number of things. And I shouldn't just blame the kids because of course, Sarah and I as well accumulated a number of things that are just not required anymore. And so there's a a purging process of getting rid of things uh, as well as amidst that chaos, trying to pack the things you need, but also there, you have to hold on to a few things uh, to make sure, one, that you are clothed daily during the process, and two, that you are fed daily during the process. And so there's just a whole lot going on. And now you also have the new house to think about. What are the things that we need to be preparing for in the new place? And, and it, it is just turmoil and chaos, and I can't really say that we're completely out of it just yet. Uh, we actually had a friend come over, an electrician come over last night to look at a few things for us. And uh, he said, wow, uh, he has three children himself, younger than ours. And he said, wow, it's not often I go into a house and feel like uh, my house is clean. And uh, he wasn't trying to insult me. It was a joke. And I, I laughed and I said, well, that's what we're here for is to make everybody feel better about their own place chaos and turmoil. I want to jump right into Psalm 46 uh, today. You know, a few months ago, I took Psalm 46 verse 10, and I used it for a daily reflection. And perhaps you saw it, maybe you didn't, that's all right. Uh, It's up on YouTube if you want to go check it out. Uh, But the reflection, the daily reflection was me walking through a, uh, a park on Nose Hill. It was walking through a little treed area, an area that uh, near our old place, I found very peaceful and an area in which I found that I could connect with God on a very personal level and deep level. Um, and lots of times it was just about me letting go and finding peace 
uh, with what God was doing in my life. And so with this reflection, I shared kind of the idea. The, the Psalm 46.10 goes like this. Uh, many of you will know it like this. Be still and know that I am God. And so that's Psalm 4610a, the first part of that. And so I took that and I talked about how I often uh, use that verse for reflection. I use that verse to be still. I use that verse to uh, take time and, and think about God and, and what he is doing in my life. And it's been a, a fabulous verse for that. But there are always times when you uh, need to dig into things more, especially in scripture, to make sure that we are interpreting them correctly. And although this is a, a fine use of this passage, uh, because it is about recognizing God and it is about being still in his presence, the, the uh, interpretation of be still is perhaps not really uh, strong enough. And if we actually look at it within the context of chapter uh, 46 of Psalm, we see there is a lot more to it. It is actually more of a command. It is a, a directive from God, not simply a, hey, let's just sit back and be meditative about this situation in my life. And so I want us to really dig and dive into that today uh, because really this whole chapter is a chapter on chaos and turmoil and God in the midst of it. So if you uh, haven't turned in your Bibles, I encourage you to do so. I'm reading from Psalm 46, uh, the NET version. And it starts off this way. God is our strong refuge, it says in verse one. He is truly our helper in times of trouble. The psalmist here just starts off with a reminder. Let's start off with the foundation, with the cornerstone of which we want to address the situation that we are in. You see this psalm being one about uh, kind of chaos versus peace and uh, kind of the cosmic picture and the personal picture. Uh, it talks about trust and security. And so this is really where the psalmist starts off is with this trust and security. Let's, let's remember as we begin to address what's going on around us, uh, some of us are moving. And so that brings a little bit of chaos, but there are far more tumultuous, tumultuous, I can't say that word, tumultuous situations in life that bring chaos that seem like our world is turned upside down, like losing a job or perhaps having something uh, dramatic or rocky within our marriage happen or another relationship or something with our kids is not going the way in which we'd like it to go for them. Uh, there are so many different things in life that bring us to a situation of feeling like we have a lack of control, feeling as though Nothing is going our way. I mean, take for example right now the situation that the globe is in right now, the global world. It's talking about, we're talking here about COVID-19 and what it has done to the whole entire world. Never has there been such a pandemic that has rocked the entire world all in the same way. And so we see this psalmist starting off with this very important reminder. He says, God is our strong refuge. He is truly our helper in times of trouble. Uh, this 
word that he <clears throat> uses in there for refuge is one that has to do with trust. It's one that really, when we dig down, it's kind of an abiding. It's where do we find security? Where do we find the ability to let go and know for certain that things are going to be okay. I see these signs all over the city. Everything will be okay. And I, and I often wonder, how do people know that? We, we often say that because we simply want to feel okay. And we feel like if we say it enough times and we encourage one another with it, that it will be okay. And certainly mankind, humankind, is able to uh, come together in, in strong ways and support one another. But what happens if things were to really get out of hand? What happens if the chaos was to extend beyond our control? And the psalmist remind us, reminds us that God is that place of refuge. I think what's really interesting, there's a really interesting thing about this psalm um, because it talks about this chaos. It talks about this uh, 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 tumbling or uh, tottering, depending on your translation. And so in verse two, it goes right into this idea. It says, for this reason, we do not fear when the earth shakes and the mountains tumble into the depths of the sea when its waves crash and foam and the mountains shake before the surging sea. Almost forgot that part. And the mountains shake before the surging sea. Um, what's interesting about verse two and three is this is a, an ancient near far east uh, idea that the world is being turned upside down. They would use this type of language, uh, the mountains trembling, the mountains crashing into the sea, maybe your into the, the sea is maybe what your translation says. They would use this type of language to talk about the whole entire world being turned upside down, that there is chaos everywhere. That is what this is talking about because the mountains to them was the idea of the foundations of the earth, that the mountains were, were the solid foundation that held everything together. And so if there was earthquake, if there was hurricane, like it's sort of describing here, this is the, this is the idea that everything is crumbling, everything is falling apart in the world around us. And I think that's where we often find ourselves. And, and we've talked about during uh, many of these Psalms in, in great ways in that these are what, this is something that we can talk to God about and we can express to God. We feel like maybe personally that the world is falling down around us. Or maybe in this case, this global case currently, we feel that or have felt that during the process in the last five months, that the world is turning upside down that there is nothing we can control. And so the psalmist uses this language to talk about uh, this chaos. But he had started with the reminder that God is our refuge. And so where I was going with finding this interesting is, uh, and maybe there's no relation, but but maybe there just is a little bit. I want to remind you of a story that's a, a, a small story in the book of Numbers um, back in uh, the Old Testament. And if you look at the start of this psalm, it says, uh, for the music director, it says, by the Korahites. Now, uh, uh, Uncle Lane, you'll be happy to know uh, that we've been reading through the psalms. I've been with, uh, with your nieces 
Uh, as you suggested over the summer to read through the Psalms, and we've been doing that, and, and of course, we, uh, we've been reading them at bedtime, uh, and of, you know, kids never really want to go to bed, right? And so uh, my kids have great questions, but it's always when we're trying to do the reading time, and they want to know about all the names and about all the words that they don't understand. And uh, of course, so when I read through this Psalm, it's, well, who are the Korahites? And, uh, and, and this is a really important point to make and really interesting. So the Korahites were the sons of Korah, or if you just want to say the descendants of Korah. And if you don't know the story, that's okay, because it is a little obscure. But if you do recall, it is a story about Moses right after the Israelites are, uh, he rescues them with God's help, of course, out of Egypt. And they are now in the wilderness. And he uh, basically creates uh, this, this line of the, the Levites, the sons of Levi, the descendants of Levi will be the ones who serve God and are anointed to do so. Now, it is the line of Aaron that becomes the royal priesthood for the Levites. But the Korahites, uh, Korah, uh, becomes a part of this lineage as well, but not the priestly line. And he joins with a number of other uh, uh, <laughs> of the tribes, sorry, who are trying to dispute Moses, okay? And so they come to Moses because they are, are upset and they all have their reasons, but the reason the Korahites seem to be against Moses and Aaron are that they're disappointed that they don't get to be priests. Um, but what happens is they come and they challenge Moses and they say, who are you? Who made you God, basically? Who made you the authority? And Moses is taken back because, of course, he does not want to be referred to as God. And he challenges them and he says this, Listen, bring your incense. Let's burn it before God. Let's send up our prayers. And they do this. And then Moses says, If God is not with me, and if God is for you, then let something happen to me. But if God is for me and not for you, then basically he says, I hope you die, <laughs> but not a natural death. Like, let's make, this, let's make this really obvious that if you die not of a natural cause, then God is not on your side. Well, they bring incense to burn. There's about 250 of them. And they bring this incense to burn and pray before God. And God speaks to Moses and Aaron and says, uh, you need to move away from them. And they move away from them. And the ground opens up and swallows all of these men. And then fire later on consumes a number of the rest of them. So it's quite clear that God was on the side of Moses. And why am I telling you this treacherous story? Well, these were the Korhites. Now, what's interesting is that God did not wipe out all of Korah's descendants. He wiped out the dissenters in this case, but we find out in, later in Numbers that, in fact, uh, he didn't wipe out his children. And we don't know why he didn't wipe out his children. Maybe they were too young to understand or to, to dissent as their father had. Um, but the reality is they stay and they become these great musicians in the temple. 
that God has a plan for them. And I can't help but think that, that maybe there's a connection with the descendants of Korah and Korah, that perhaps now that they are still in this role and they are still serving God, anointed by God, that there's a, there's a memory of the story of their history, their family history that hits home. And that they are able to sing and write a song like this that talks about chaos and turmoil and the world being turned upside down as it probably was for them. And yet they can turn that around and say, God, there is a, a redeeming story in this, that God has saved us and that we will speak of God in such a manner of love and exalting him and praising his name. And so out of this song and out of this kind of maybe family history, we get this psalm. And, and the verses talk about this uh, this cosmic level of turmoil with the mountains, and then it continues on uh, to talk about in uh, verses six, talks about nations being in uproar and kingdoms are overthrown. And so it brings it down to more of a personal level. It's talking about the corporate life of Israel and what happens when they are in battle with other nations that they are representing God. But right in the middle of this, this, this chaos, verses four and five, it, the psalmist writes this, the river's channels bring joy to the city of God. The city of God being Zion or, or the Jerusalem and its surrounding area. This was God's place. This was where God brought himself to live in the midst of his people. And so it is a holy place. But it is, as we look at it now, it is a, a representation of God in our midst. And so these rivers flowing out of it and flowing into it is about the life that God brings. It says the river's channels bring joy to the city of God, the special holy dwelling place of the sovereign one. God lives within it. It cannot be moved. God rescues it at the break of dawn. And so there's this reminder in the middle of uh, the chaos, whether it be globally or whether it be on a more personal and kind of national level, this, this corporate level, that, that God is in the middle. And it doesn't matter what's happening around him. It doesn't matter what's happening in the world or in our world or in our lives, that God is still the, our firm foundation, that he is that refuge that one we can trust in. It goes on to talk about how God uh, gives a shout and he dissolves all enemies and he ends all wars. Uh, there's this idea that God prevails in the midst of strife. Doesn't matter how long it happens or takes place and continues on in our lives or in the world around us. But the psalmist reminds us that God's will prevails. It's God's will that there is shalom or peace, harmony, that things would go well for him and his people. And that when we are abiding in him and when he is abiding in us, that we have that foundation. In fact, uh, that's what brings us here to verse 10. And verse 10 isn't about, you know, just, 
just kind of sit back and meditate on what's happening. You know, I'm still good. It's actually this very direct type of command. And it it says, God says this, stop your striving and recognize that I am God. I will be exalted, he continues, over the nations. I will be exalted over the earth. There's this great directive in this passage where God says, stop trying to control. Stop worrying about what is going on around you, whether it is a global pandemic or whether it is something that is happening within your life. Stop striving, meaning stop trying to control it. It's a, it's a military directive. So stop trying to overtake. Stop trying to do the job that I am here to do. What a great message from our God to, to speak into our lives that on, on the most global of scales or the most personal of scales, we have a God who cares about the big things and the little things. That we have a God who wants to step in and be our refuge if we will trust him. If we will abide in him, he is our rock and our foundation. And so whether our world is uh, crumbling around us, or maybe it is that we are trying to usurp God's authority, that we are trying to take control of our lives because we think we can plan our own destiny, the reality is God is saying, stop, abide in me, trust in me because I have this. I want to wrap up today by talking about um, a couple lines that repeat through this psalm. And uh, they, re- they repeat in verse 7 and verse 11. And they, this is what they say. It says, The Lord who commands armies is on our side. Uh, some translations will say angel armies. Uh, or commands the Lord of hosts, uh, or he is the Lord of hosts. But I love this translation that the Lord who commands angel armies or armies is on our side. Uh, it's, why do I love this? Because it is the reminder that God has ultimate power. That on that global scale, that God is sovereign, that God is in control, that although it might not be going the way we want it to go, or turning the way we want things to turn on a positive note, that God is still aware, that God can change things and is changing things at his will. And the second piece to that is, uh, it says, the God of Jacob is our protector. I love how Eugene Peterson uh, interprets it, and he says, "The, the, the God who wrestles with Jacob is our protector. And and the reason I like that is because it's a personal note. So we go from this, uh, the God who commands angel armies, you know, he can take over the world at any point forcefully, but on a personal level, he also cares. Here we have this picture of God of Jacob, that corporately God cares about 
the church, God cares about his people, and God cares about you. And so we have a God who wrestles with Jacob is the same God who wants personal relationship with you, that who wants to step into your life, wants to bring about shalom and peace, wants to bring about wholeness in your life in whatever turmoil and chaos is happening around you. That he cares on a global scale, on a corporate scale, and on a personal scale. What a fantastic uh, psalm to to reflect on, to bring into our lives, to pray through, particularly in those times where things just do not seem to be going the right way. But let's remember, in the end, God prevails. His ways will always come to fruition. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for this reminder that that you prevail, that all of your ways will prevail. And that we can abide in you and we can find refuge in stopping, in giving up control, in realizing that you are a God who cares about the world and you are a God who cares about us personally and cares about what's happening with your church your body. Bring us the peace and wholeness that you promise through abiding in you. In Jesus' name, amen.